This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Fainting is wanting to go somewhere and not having the strength to have it. So just like it says in Romans 3.23, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, or they fainted trying to get to the glory of God, or they fainted trying to meet all of God's standards. They failed. They fell short. And so, and there was the religious leaders who at that time were encouraging them, not in the way of God's righteousness, but going about trying to establish their own righteousness, were saying, you can make it, you can make it. It says this, but we're reinterpreted. It says you gotta be absolutely holy, but no, we'll, we'll replace it with an innumerable requirements of what you must do and what you must not do. And last count, there were 613 laws of Judaism. And they fainted. The people fainted under this burden of a works-based religion. All the while, their leaders, they were enjoying these positions of prestige and power over the people. This disturbed the Lord. The Lord saw this. He was disturbed when he saw the people because he saw them in verse 6 as scattered, scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Some are following this rabbi who says you gotta do this. Some are following that rabbi who says you gotta dress this way. Some are not following any rabbi. They're scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd, no true shepherd, because the shepherds that they had, these rabbis, these Pharisees, these scribes, God had already made some comments about them in Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34, verse two, for example, God said, son of man, prophesy, preach against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord unto the shepherds, woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the sheep, feed the flocks? And then in that same chapter, Ezekiel 34, 10, verse 10, he says, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds 
It's not a good day to have God against you. But he says, I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore for I will deliver my flock from their mouth and they may not be meat for them. And then in Jeremiah 23.1, Jeremiah 23.1, God goes on and says, woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. So when the Lord saw the people there in verse 36, as scattered abroad, sheep having no shepherd, we can imagine him thinking to himself, they have no shepherd, but I am John 10.1. I am John 10.1. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So he thought to himself, he thought to himself, instead of verse 36, scattered abroad as having no sheep, He's saying, I will be the Isaiah 40, verse 11. Isaiah 40, verse 11, shepherd. Isaiah 40, verse 11 says, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. He shall carry them in his bosom. He shall gently lead those that are with young. So he's going about all the cities and the villages, and he's being that shepherd. This is the, he's being that shepherd. He's gathering He's calling out, as it says in Ezekiel 34, 12. Ezekiel 34, 12. He is being the shepherd that seeks out his flock in the day that is among his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And when he finds his sheep, when he finds them, then he is determined to be the great shepherd that's referenced in Hebrews 13.20. Hebrews 13.20 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. All right, so this is what he's doing. But now he brings up to his disciples a problem, a big problem. He says in verse 37, Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is as plenteous, truly as plenteous, but the laborers are few. So here's a problem. He says, the harvest of the people, it's great, but there's not enough laborers for the harvest. So the need is for laborers for the harvest, laborers for God. Now that raises some questions in our minds. First of all, who are those laborers that the Lord Jesus is looking for? What are those laborers to do? So first of all, we have to remember that when God calls a person, God calls a laborer, he calls them one by one, one by one, one person at a time. So God is looking for laborers one laborer at a time. He's looking for laborers one by one. And in verses 37 and 38, just as God was looking for laborers one by one at that time, God was also looking for one-by-one uh, one laborers in Ezekiel's day. In Ezekiel's day, when it says in Ezekiel 22, verse 30, Ezekiel 22, 30 and 31, God said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. 
So we're thinking about this, God is looking for laborers for his harvest. We're thinking about this, God is looking for a man from Ezekiel 22:30, And he's looking for a man to save the people from perishing. So the people in Ezekiel's day, they didn't know it, but they were on the brink of judgment. They didn't know it, but the destruction of their land, the destruction of Jerusalem was right there gonna happen at the hand of the Babylonians. And just before the destruction of the land in Jerusalem, God is looking for a man. Now, in Matthew 9, 36 to 37, the Lord Jesus is looking for men also to save the people from perishing. But in Matthew 9 also, the people also didn't know it. They were on the brink of destruction also. The people in Matthew 9, they didn't know it, but judgment was again gonna come. There was again gonna be the destruction of Jerusalem. There's gonna be now such a destruction that all of the Jews, all the people in the land are gonna scatter in what's called the diaspora. They were gonna run away from Israel. This is gonna happen in 40 short years by the hand of Romans and Titus, under Titus. And just before this destruction, this one in Matthew 9, just before this destruction, God is again looking. He's looking for men. So in both Ezekiel's day and the Lord's day, destruction is right at the door. And what God said about Israel in Ezekiel's day, the problem was from the same chapter, Ezekiel 22, 24, Ezekiel 22, 24, son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed. Thou art the land that is not cleansed. Not cleansed was the condemnation of the land. It was not that they had sinned. King Solomon said that was inevitable when he dedicated the temple in 1 Kings 8.46. 1 Kings 8.46, Solomon said, there is no man that sinneth not. He went on to say in, in Ecclesiastes 7.20, in Ecclesiastes 7.20, there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Many people today say, well, I'm not that bad. I mean, I'm not as good as some, but I'm not as bad as others. But God says, no, no, no. God says, everyone is so sinful. Everyone needs a savior. So Israel's, or a, Israel's conversion Really, when you look at Isaiah 53, yes, it's, a, it's historical, but it's also prophetic. Isaiah 53 is also prophetic because what is going to happen in the future, prophecy, what's gonna happen in the future is all Israel is going to confess Isaiah 53, 6. Israel's gonna say, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. I guarantee you that Israel's not saying that today. But they will in the future. That's why Isaiah 53 is really prophetic because it's going to come about. Going astray, there will say in Isaiah 53, 6. Scattered abroad, the Lord saw them in Matthew 9, 36. Now, the problem with sin is that sin all, it has two aspects to it. It has an external, it has an internal problem. The external problem is that it's offensive to God. It's a sin against God. And so, so Israel says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all sinned, in other words. 
And there's another, a few chapters later in Isaiah 64, 6, where that all we is spoken again, again, prophetic, Isaiah 64, 6, because Israel's speaking again, and they say, we are all as an unclean thing, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have carried, taken us away. So that statement about being unclean, about being filthy, it sets the stage for the need to be cleansed, the need to be cleansed. And the issue here is not in Ezekiel 22. The issue is not that Israel hasn't sinned. The issue is that they're not cleansed. The issue today is not that people have not sinned. The issue today is that they haven't been cleansed because Romans 3.23, as we said, it says for very clearly, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. And the gospel of the kingdom is there's cleansing. There's cleansing for the issue of Ezekiel 22.24, 22.24, thou art the lamb that is not cleansed. The issue is not being cleansed. The Lord Jesus made this clear when he said exactly what is the condemnation of man, the condemnation of man. He said the solution to the sin problem is there in John 3.16, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he already gave his only, well, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the solution. And he goes on, he says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That he that believeth him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And then he goes on in John 3, 19. This is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The condemnation is, the real condemnation is refusing the solution. And that's the issue. Light has come in, into the world in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two great gifts that he's giving, two great gifts to man from 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to gift number one, forgive us of our sins. Gift number two, cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. That's the issue here. That's the reason. So the Old Testament saints, what they did is they looked forward to this great sacrifice that was announced with the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, when it was said in Genesis 3.15 that the great sacrifice would be the one who would bruise or crush the head of Satan and his heel would be consequently uh, bruised as well. That was a conversation, by the way, between God and Satan that Adam and Eve overheard. And by that, they realized, oh, and ever since then, Believing saints in the Old Testament looked forward to that, oh, the sacrifice is coming, the seed of the woman. And the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament saints is the New Testament just looked backwards on that sacrifice and go, oh, he came, he came, the great Lamb of God. So, but the condemnation, the condemnation is the same for both Old and New Testament saints Ezekiel 22, 24, thou art the land that is not cleansed. Now, it's this singular sin of people when they say, of a disregard for the solution to sin, of a who cares attitude toward the great sacrifice of the Lord. 
which is, which is very serious, as it says in Hebrews 10, 29, Hebrews 10, 29, how much sore a punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he is sanctified, an unholy thing, and done despite unto the spirit of grace. Okay, now the stage is set, Ezekiel 22, Matthew 9, the stage is set for judgment. And just before this horrible judgment, as we said in Ezekiel 22:30, God says, I'm looking for a man. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. The stage is set for judgment in Matthew 9. And just before judgment, the Lord Jesus says, in, in, uh, in verses 37 and 38, the harvest truly is, is plenteous, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his field. Now we think about the laborers, we're thinking about the laborers in verses 37 and 38 of Matthew 9. And the question is, what were those laborers going to accomplish that there's a critical shortage of? And the answer is, from Ezekiel 22.30, Ezekiel 22.30, I sought for a man that I should not destroy it. In other words, the, the land of Israel. In other words, the laborers were going to prevent God from destroying, from destroying Israel, from destroying, destroying people. And the fact that God was looking for laborers who would stop him from destroying Israel shows us that God does not want to destroy. He does not want to destroy Israel. He does not want to destroy people. But the problem is, from Isaiah 1.4, Isaiah 1.4, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. Israel was provoking God to anger. Man is provoking God to anger, to judgment. Israel was asking God to judge them. Man is asking God to judge him. Israel was forcing God to judge them, and God didn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it today either. That's why it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So this picture of God diligently looking for laborers to stop him from judgment, it just shows us an important side of God. He doesn't like to judge he doesn't like to destroy, and he only does it when there's no other alternative. As a matter of fact, he hates this destruction and this judgment and his wrath so much that he has a special name that he calls this act of judgment, this wrath, and it's given to us in Isaiah 28, 21, Isaiah 28, 21, where it says, for the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim, he shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. So God calls his judgment a strange work and a strange act, and the reason that he calls it strange is because it's not what he wants to do. It's not him. He doesn't want to do it. He does it when he's forced to, but he doesn't like it. So he calls it strange. He hates to judge. He hates to condemn. He hates to cause to perish, but but he does it when people fight their way into hell, when people knock down every obstacle that he puts in their way to keep them out of hell, obstacles like believers talking to them about being saved, obstacles like TV, radio programs that broadcast good Bible teaching. 
He does it when people climb over every fence that he's put in their way to get into hell. Those are fences that God puts there to stop a person, stop a person in their rebellion. And so judgment is a strange work for God. It's a strange act for God. But what's not strange for God is him rejoicing over a lost person who repents, who becomes found. As he said, and that's the whole point of this parable in Matthew 18, 12, Matthew 18, 12, how think ye if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so, he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety-nine which went out astray. So that's the whole point of why the Lord told that parable about the prodigal son in Luke 15, 20, is really to show the character of God, really to show what God is like when he described so vividly in Luke 15, 20 through 24, how the son went through this mental exercise of I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna say these words, Father, I've sinned, and I'm gonna say I'm not worthy to be your son, and I just, and he's going through that, he's giving us an account of everything that happens that shows true repentance, but especially when the son does return home in Luke 15, 22, Luke 15, 22, he records the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf, kill it, let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Because that shows who God is. God's happy when a person repents. And judgment doesn't make God happy. Now, we've seen what the laborers are going to accomplish. Um, they're gonna stop God from the judgment, destruction. Now, the next question is, so exactly what were the laborers going to do in order to stop God from destroying judgment? And we see that, again, that answer in that verse in Ezekiel 22.30. Ezekiel 22.30, which says, I sought for a man among them, that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So from that verse, Ezekiel 22:30, we see the laborers, they we're talking about the same ones in Matthew 9:37, and what they're gonna do to stop God from destroying Israel. So the first thing they're going to do is in Ezekiel 22:30, they're called a man among them a man among them. He's not a man who is separated from the people. This is a man who is living among them, not separated. And the Lord Jesus lived among his people. He was not separated from them. As a matter of fact, you could almost say about him, familiarity really did breed contempt there. And this, this is the first qualification of the laborer that God is looking for, to be among the people. Second, God said that the laborer was going to prevent the destruction of Israel by being a person, as he called it in Ezekiel 22.30, Ezekiel 22.30, make up the hedge. This person was going to make up the hedge. A hedge is a wall. What does a wall do? A wall protects, a wall shields, a wall separates. So the person is going to be someone who is going to protect, who's going to shield, who's gonna separate the people. How's he gonna do that? He's gonna do that by his prayer, by his intercessory prayer. He's gonna pray for the people. And it's gonna be these prayers that are gonna become a hedge wall 
around the people. They're going to protect the people. They're going to shield the people from the wrath of God. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.